0: Hi, I'm Sarah Jenner. And I'm Marianne Baton, and you're listening to
1: Conversations with Impact. Every month, we chat with a new expert speaker about different
0: workplace challenges and how to overcome them. The purpose of these conversations is to share insights and solutions to challenging topics. And have a positive impact
1: on our guests who attend. We also highlight a charity that's doing incredible work. Thanks for being here, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to be speaking with sarika about um, speaking truth to power.
0: Yeah, it's always it's always a lovely part of life when you get to the point where you can speak truth to power. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yes. I, I remember I, the days where that was not possible for me. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I still think that there
1: are moments where I definitely hesitate and I don't always feel comfortable um but i can feel it getting a little bit easier each time that i do it for sure
0: yeah
1: um well just while we're waiting for sarika to join us i'll just brag about her while she's not on the screen so sarika is this a senior health leader with extensive experience working with executive leaders and leading teams on developing inclusive employee health programs Uh, Sarika holds a master's of science in health services administration, as well as a bachelor's of psychology. Sarika's passion is building workplaces that are resilient, psychologically healthy and safe so that everyone can bring their whole self to work and that truly fuels her purpose. She, when she's not working, you can find Sarika planning her next trip, walking her giant dog, which I will say he is a big dog. He's so cute though. Or trying to ride a horse. And she really took up riding lessons during COVID to fulfill her childhood hopes and dreams. So we are very excited to have Sarika join us today. She has such an extensive amount of experience speaking Um, truth to power and working with executives and c suite So I know that I'm definitely going to learn a lot from her today.
0: Well, and she's like a kindred spirit for you and Mm -hmm. I, Sarah, because she's Mm -hmm. always excited about new ideas and thinking about new things. And I think that's how we connected with her to Mm -hmm. begin with, is just looking at what's possible and just believing that we can always move forward. So it's great. But I'll also, if it's okay with you, take this time just to share that the what we're working on, which you've helped me work on, yes, for, for next year, is um, a free training session called "Motivating the Powers That Be." Mm-hmm. And what it is is really just how to stop trying to shove psychological health and safety, or workplace mental health, or even employee wellness onto the agenda of Mm -hmm. leaders who are trying to deal with sustainability, trying to deal with the organization and how instead there's Sarika, what we can do is help them to, um, help to use psychological health and safety initiatives in support of their goals. So Mm -hmm. that's free through workplace strategies next year. Hi Sarika.
2: Hi, can you guys hear me? Okay yeah
1: yep. we can awesome. so excited to have you join us while you weren't here we did a humble brag about you and shared oh, um you. a little bit about you and marianne was just talking about the upcoming program that workplace strategies for mental health has developed um it is also called speaking truth to power right nice It's
0: called Motivating the Powers That Be. Motivating
1: the Powers That Be, yes. I feel very grateful that I was able to kind of pilot this program with you and another group of individuals. And it was so practical and for me, as someone whose biggest motivator for that kind of change is just, it's the right thing to do, um, that doesn't resonate with senior leaders and executives all the time. Like they can feel it, but they need the hard data behind it too. And they need to be able to see the um, practical changes that would come Mm -hmm. from that. And I found this program that Marianne and Workplace Strategies is developing was just such an incredible template to help you Access um, to help you understand what those desires are those underlying desires of the organization are and then finding the resources that can help them meet those desires too. it was just it's going to be a game
0: changer for so many people just being a titch modest sarah because you helped write it you helped it, you helped refine it and then when you dropped in for a cup of tea i made you help me do the quiz that goes yeah yeah, just a little modest about your involvement yeah it was about helping
1: but also learning in the process for me too so it was um it was incredible to be a part of so, Sarika, we're going to come out guns a-blazin' with the question no,
2: no pressure, no pressure. I'm in yeah.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> the first question I have for you is, speaking to high-level executives can be very intimidating. I mean, mm-hmm. I find it intimidating myself. What have you done to overcome that sense of um, power indifference or the kind of, like, imposter syndrome that can sometimes creep in? to really help you advocate for others and their well-being? So, number one, they're human beings. They're Mm -hmm. not superheroes.
2: Um, You know, sometimes we're in organizations and it's very hierarchical. Like, oh, we were speaking to, you know, EVP, SVP, and all those those acronyms that go after a person's name. And it could be intimidating, absolutely. I just bring myself back to they're not superheroes. They they also have challenges. They also have dreams. They are probably tired too, like me. They probably didn't sleep last night. They're probably struggling themselves. So I really try to understand my audience. I kind of level set myself by saying, they're just like me. Um, they want what's best for the organizations the same way I want what's best for the organizations. I also recognize they have the world on their shoulders. Mm-hmm so the way they might see things is a little will be a little different from the way I view things they have a board to report to they have shareholders they have an enormous amount of responsibilities so I keep those things in mind Um, but I also know when it comes to advocating for others I know that when I do speak to a high level executive I know that within their day they probably have more than 20 meetings. It's probably broken up into 20 minute meetings on different topics from finance to privacy, to clients, to whatever it may be. So when it's my turn, <laughs> I have to pack it in with a punch. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like if I have 20 minutes or 25 minutes, I have to also be mindful. They had so many different meetings on so many different topics. So how do I how do I bring them in and advocate for others? And what I do is I anchor them with their emotions. Uh, Mm. when it comes to, depending on what I'm going to them with, I anchor their emotions. And that's the thing that has really kind of helped me because it helps me understand them a bit better. Um, I try to find relatedness. I'm mindful that they have these types of stressors. So for me, it's really pulling on their emotions, but in a good way so that I have their attention. And I usually start off with a story so that there's a narrative to it. And I want them to feel that they're also in control of the conversation the same way I'm in control. So there's some little tactics I do, but at the end of the day, speaking to a high level executive, they're just like everyone else. Mm. They're busy just like you. They most likely want the Coles know, give me the meat, and, and to get their attention, anchor them in their emotions.
0: Yeah. Sarika, can you tell us a little bit more about how you do that, that anchor in their emotions?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, it didn't come very easy at first, um, but one of the things that really helped me is really looking at the leaders and how they role model their behavior so it's also observing how they lead how they manage it really kind of gives me a lot of nuggets as to how i can approach them with you know a strategy so for me it's knowing my audience it's really making sure i do my homework so if i'm going to present something to them make sure that it has a business case make sure that it includes like what is it why are we doing this what are the benefits the risks and the outcomes, but also, what are what's the roadmap? And have that as part of your story. And that's what I, I wish I learned this when I was younger, to be a better storyteller. If you're a really good storyteller and you can include the business case of all those key elements, and that story tugs at their heart, or it benefits them, it reminds them it could be a better, it can help them with the organization's brand, it can increase customer service levels. It can retain employees. It can attract employees, you know, have those key things that are on top of mind for leaders, right? You know, with the great resignation these days, we're seeing, you know, people are leaving the workplace. So this is a really big issue for, for leaders. So also understand what's, what's happening in the industry so to get to, to understand their world better and this way they'll feel like they're being heard they're being heard and that's what i think is really important so you know you know be mindful of the time um put yourself in their shoes (laughs) in terms of what they might be going through have that really strong story um anchor their emotions and and one of the things that i learned Um, It's from actually a book that I read about negotiations, (laughs) and it's, uh, um, you know, they say that people will take greater risks to avoid losses to achieve gains. So make sure you anchor them in their emotions in preparation for a loss, because then you inflame the other side's loss aversion so that they'll jump onto any chance they can get. So Mm -hmm. I'm not saying scare the person, but, you know, having important stats, having what's, you know, what's happening in your backyard so you can talk to a leader about we need to do this well-being program or this training it's important to obviously talk about the stats right not you know yes you can talk about the stats what's happening in canada like one in five will experience a mental illness in their lifetime but talk about the stats you have in your workplace what's happening in your backyard because that translates into dollars those are going to make the leaders ears perk so You know, really think about, you know, that leader is reporting to a board, you know, they have shareholders, they want to make profits, they want to retain talent. Think about all those things that's on their mind and provide the data that backs it up as to why your strategy will work, because it's going to hit those pain points or prevent those pain points. So that's what I've been doing (laughs) and that's been giving me a lot of traction. but i also find that you know when you do meet with a leader ask calibrated questions ask open-ended questions that is super key because it gives the illusion they're in control but really you're getting so much more information from them that would really help you so you know stay away from questions like why <laughs> is is what i kind of stay away from because then they can become so defensive on their position Um, So asking questions, you know, what and how um, can really kind of help them share more of their perspective and what they want, which is super helpful in a meeting.
1: I love that. Like, I felt like I was taken back to third year university for a second, like the amalgamation of the qualitative and the quantitative data there with like, you have to have the hard numbers, but also the Mm -hmm. storytelling too. And I think that is so helpful to understand for people that I think so often we go in with the numbers, but because we don't have that emotional anchor, they're just like, okay, well, that's great, but like, what else? Like, yeah, I've seen these numbers before. I've seen them 20, 30, 40 times, but how is this gonna make the impact? What is the impact gonna be? What's gonna be the change?
2: exactly and 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 you know make sure you have that roadmap make sure you have that journey a high level journey of what your strategy can provide or what the outcomes might be because they need to see it
1: right mm-hmm.
2: they just you don't just want to go to them and be like we have so many problems well you want to come with solutions that are backed up but then you also want to provide some sort of a a roadmap so they know what what some next steps are and that will start help them think about you know we might not have budget for this maybe we need to work towards it or maybe we need to pilot something so then you kind of you know avoid them saying no right off the bat Mm -hmm. so you know and so of course you know have that roadmap but then also have some like plan b's and plan c's if they do say no um because you know there might be a blended approach there might Mm -hmm. be a pilot you can do um or maybe do things on a lower scale so i i don't like to take no for an answer. I guess it's just me being stubborn, <laughs> but don't let them say no. So asking those calibrated questions are key.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Marian likes to call those the um, a la carte options when you're making the self.
0: Yeah. Uh, do you know what else you're making me think about, sirika is that one of my beginner mistakes was having you know, reams and reams of statistics and evidence because I thought that proved that I knew what I was talking about Mm -hmm. and realized that the leader's eyes would glaze over and it didn't matter. And that story about what's in it for you and how this can help what matters to you is more important. Have your evidence for sure. So that if you get questioned, it's there, but that's not what you go to them with. In fact, we often now will send the evidence in advance and say we're going to talk, but then we don't even mention it unless somebody has a question and they never do. You know, I don't think it's that they don't have a question because they understand it. I think half the time they never looked at it because they really want to know what's in it for us, for our organization. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And so some people can do different things, right? So you can actually build personas right? Think about all the different people within your organizations and, you know, really kind of, you know, present something to a leader that says, you know, we have retail, we have people, you know, that are frontline, we have people in the office, we have people that are traveling, you know, and kind of build these personas in terms of what are some of their pain points and how your strategy will either avoid those pain points for those different types of employees, because there's not always just one type of an employee in an organization, right? Um, one of the things that, you know, um, you know, I was, I'm so proud of was, um, a few years ago, I had an idea of bringing, um, you know, really supporting leaders, mental, mental health. And cause I know that they have the world on their shoulder. And so I really had to pitch a program to an executive leader, which, you know, and say, look, I get your world i may not be at your level but i recognize that your leaders your peers are experiencing a b c d e f g (laughs) here's how i think we can help what if instead of you should be doing this so the way i even talk to a leader is more around recognizing what their pain points are as well as instead of saying you should, or we should, it's, well, what if we tried this? And that just kind of makes the conversation a lot lighter. And it just feels more collaborative with the leader. And I found that I was able to get more. <laughs> I was able to get the A-OK, let's try it, Sarika. let's pilot it. Um, when it was more around, what if, or why can not we try this? Or this is how I think it would help your leaders better serve clients and better lead their teams. Um, and so that's what I felt was was really necessary is really, really putting myself in their shoes and you know, what's in it for me, but what's in it for the organization, just like Marianne
1: said. I love that, uh, question. What if, cause it still really helps give that sense of autonomy when you're putting forth that question of, I'm not telling you what you need to do, but let's explore the potential of this mm-hmm. idea together. And that feels so much more exciting than like, like you said, we're collaborating, we're working together. Um, Marianne, I know you had an incredible question about speaking truth to power and how it's easier for some folks. Did you want to pose
0: that? Sure. And, and really, we've kind of touched on it, that when you are new to a place, mm-hmm. um, when you are part of a vulnerable population and maybe your truth to power is you're not being fair to me. Sarika, what's your advice for people who may feel very vulnerable about how they can speak their truth to their boss? Maybe they're not trying to sell something to a CEO. Yeah. They're just trying to talk to their manager about the way they're feeling.
2: Your voice matters. At the end of the day, your voice matters. And, and I think it's important for you to believe in that because you are hired at an organization because they believe in you. You got to believe in yourself. They want to hear from you, um, is what I always try to, you know, tell myself. So if I if I have an issue, I want to raise it, um, and I feel that when it comes to, you know, building that confidence, it might take a while for some people than others. So one of the things that I think is really helpful to even build your confidence is to find an ally. Um, In your workplace, if possible, find someone that you trust, because if you have something that you want to raise and you're not sure if you want to raise it to your manager just yet, or or, do other people feel like this, too, you know, that ally might also feel the same way as you and they might also be able to kind of give you some feedback and some guidance. The other is, you know, if you can't find an ally in your workplace that you trust. um, Think about your network. Think about people in your network that can mentor you that perhaps are in the same industry that have probably experienced something similar to what you're experiencing or can help, you know, be that soundboard and say, okay, well, rehearse how you're gonna bring this up to your leader. Let me see how I can help you um, is really key. Um, There's also employee resource groups that can also help you build your confidence when it comes to speaking your truth. Um, And if there aren't any employee resource groups Um, consider building one as a way to help you feel empowered in your workplace. Um, You know, when I do meet with my leader um, and when I have met with my leader, I really needed to share, you know, what I needed, really be very clear about what I need to be successful or what I need um, in a certain situation. And so I would start off with saying, I feel (laughs) or I need access to, Um, you know, that, you know, I'm a pretty straight shooter. (laughs) So for me, I really had to come out and say, this is what I need. This is how I need your support, or this is what I'm noticing. Um, That helped frame the conversation with a leader. Uh, Again, it becomes more collaborative. So that's where I felt it was very key. Um, But like I said, for some... You know, you want to build that confidence to actually say what you need, and that's not always easy. So I think relying on your network, building your network, um, having a mentor or a sponsor or an ally can really help you kind of be like, okay, what do you want to say to that manager? Say to me. Let's 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 rehearse. Mm-hmm. You know, I find that to be really, really helpful. Um, Marianne, you probably don't know this, but Marianne is actually you know was actually someone that I found to be my ally when I started to work um, at an organization. You know, she was someone that I was able to trust. And I would bounce things off of her to be like, this is how I'm feeling. Um, And that really kind of helped me be like, "Okay, it's not just me. I have someone to talk to. And she actually was able to provide some tips as you might want to approach it like this, or you know what, Here are some of your blind spots, Sarika, you know, and that was really helpful, but it made such a difference to my everyday, right? Because if I bury it, I knew that it would just manifest into my work and it would eventually impact my mental health. So, Mm -hmm. you know, Marianne was one of my allies, um, but it's, and I had no idea that she'd become an ally. It was like, I, the first time I met Marianne, it was like meeting like a celebrity. It was like meeting like <gasps> Brittany Brown or something, you know, like oh. the guru, the guru of workplace mental health. And oh my God, I'm meeting her. And I remember being so nervous. And then when I had the opportunity to work with her, um, you know, she was someone that demonstrated that she can be trusted. Um, and I, I felt very comfortable, a tough time, but it, I felt comfortable opening up to her. So um, so yeah, so I encourage people to really think about building an ally, finding an ally, whether it's in your workplace um, or outside.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for that, Sarika. That's lovely to hear. Um, I want to add to what you're saying Um, because I've also worked with many people who have a diagnosis of a mental illness and are really unsure. And what I've said to them is if you can go at it, not from trying to get your boss to understand you or to um, understand how you're feeling, because we know oftentimes our own family and friends don't get it when when we're struggling, but to go at it with, I want to be a good employee, this is what I need to do that. Not what I need to fix my life or fix my health. This is what I need to do a good job. This is what I'm going to be doing differently to show you that I'm trying to be a good employee. And if I'm not meeting my goals, this is how I want you to come to me. And it's sort of taking all the um, expectation that your boss will understand you away and really just saying, you want me to be a good employee? I want to be a good employee. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I'd also like to say, I had no idea I was being an ally. I thought we were just chatting. So so for everybody out there, just be mindful. When you're talking to someone, you don't know. <laughs> where it is.
2: The other thing too, is I think also being from a minority group and and, and growing up, You know my parents came to Canada and 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 struggled based on the opportunities they were given and you know at home it was you know just work harder don't complain just work harder and so that was what I grew up with hearing you know if you see something wrong you know think about if you're going to raise it like what's your plan work harder put your head down work harder you'll get noticed if you just work harder But that's not always the case and that didn't really get me too far And that's what I, you know, I, I had to kind of unlearn as I grew in my career was if I put my head down, not say anything and work harder, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not able to thrive Mm -hmm. and it didn't get me anywhere. So, so that's the other thing too, with minority groups is you're just so grateful. You're grateful that you have this opportunity, right? You're so grateful you got this management position, you work so hard for it. So you don't want to shake the boat because you know. I've been told, put your head down, work harder. But that's not always the case. Um, Your voice matters. Mm
1: -hmm. I think that's so important to hear you say that, Sarika. your voice matters, because I think sometimes we have that, um, that imposter syndrome creep in where it's like, well, do they care about you? Or what if you say this? And there are repercussions down the line. And I think we also have to ask ourselves, Am I, would I rather deal with those repercussions or stay silent in this moment? Like which one can I live with? Which one's easier for me to live with as well? And just to speak to what Marianne said about how to approach your boss when you needed, um, when you need changes in the workplace in order to feel like you can do your job. As a leader, I know one of our team members who's on the line right now, that's the approach they take that if they need something or they need to do something a different way, they will reach out to me, they will say, this is what's going on. this is how I want to do it differently. And for me, it's just like you're coming to me with solutions. It makes it so much easier for me because now I don't feel like I have to go into fixer mode for you and use that like um, that precious, emotional bandwidth and time that I can be here to support you, but you're already advocating for what you need. And it really does. Like now, whenever anyone reaches out to me from the team to say, Hey, I need this, or, Hey, can we do this? It's just like, I don't dread it anymore because it's not like, Oh gosh, what is this going to become? It's like, it makes it such a smooth transition and it makes it so easy for me to support them. And it has also created, I think, really healthy connection and communication where we can both feel like we trust one another to just be honest and to be so authentically ourselves too.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you raised that because I've, I had a colleague two weeks ago, we were doing some breakout sessions and we were talking about leadership transparency. And one of the things that he said, and I I really appreciated it. He said something like, you know, as a leader, he goes, if your team members are coming to you during that, you know, that, that book once a month meeting, you have that once a week, one-on-one you have, and they have so many questions prepared for you, that's not a good thing Mm -hmm. because if they actually can ask you those questions in real time, right? This way they're not saving it because they probably feel like you're not approachable you don't have time to connect right and this one 30-minute meeting that you have and it's filled with all these questions you know really think twice like am i being a leader that is available am i you know all leaders have an open door policy and then you're like you know you always see their light you know now on teams or on uh skype it's like busy or like, you know, presenting you're like, when do I actually see it go green? Right? (laughs) If you have a question, like now, you know, whereas, you know, pre pandemic, you can kind of pop up to see, okay, maybe I can just go approach them or, but now online, it's a little more difficult. So that's, that's something that he raised. And I thought, oh gosh, yeah, you're right. Like as leaders, we have to be really mindful of, you know, when a team member comes to us, and if they have all these questions that they should have asked a couple of days ago because now that either the problem's gotten worse or it could have been resolved sooner maybe it's also us as leaders not being you know as available as we say we are
0: I, i'm just thinking um when sarah was talking about you know well someone will come to me with solutions Sarah's ego is in check enough that she can listen to somebody else's idea and actually (laughs) accept it. But Sarika, I I know we've probably all had the experience of if it's not their idea, they're not listening to it. So if we have somebody on who has tried to speak truth to power, tried to say, I have an idea and they just get shot down. Like, you know, if I I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. what do you say to those folks
2: so you know there's you know all organizations have like a tagline right like the the one firm for you or like we make things better remind them of those taglines remind them of how we as or as an organizations put ourselves out there for our clients and our customers remind them that you know we, we commit to being you know the one shop for you or whatever it may be here's how i think we can better demonstrate this. Um, You know, show what they've already committed to. Reminds them like, oh man, we are accountable. We did say that out loud, right? And then insert, you know, what you need from them and how it aligns with that or how it supports that or how will it benefit that. Um, Because, you know, at the same time, you're also kind of you also want to remind, you also kind of want to praise the leader to be like, you know, you've demonstrated this through this project or through that initiative. What if we were to also try this? Like, so look at things they've already done, see if you can praise it, but also align it to their commitment, whether it's, you know, how they're putting themselves out there as an organization and see that what you're proposing will strengthen it support it, align it, maybe even make their organization be leading in the marketplace. Cause that's mm-hmm. the other thing too, right? Is when you speak to leaders, they wanna know how others are doing, always. So what are others doing? How do we rank? Are we in the middle of the pack, Sarika? Are we leading? And like every single leader has asked me this and it's a fair question. So also know the competitive marketplace. So if you have an idea, you want to share something, or if you think you can, there's a process you could better improve, will this make you be leading in the marketplace? So, you know, kind of, you know, have that information as a way, again, another way to kind of, you know, turn their ears to be like, oh, we actually can lead in this area if we did this. Um, You know, a lot of, you know, with COVID, a lot of organizations are doing so many creative things to, to support their people. So I would leverage, leverage COVID. Because one of the things that we, I think we can all agree on, we all got impacted. Our well-being, all, we like all of our, like we're, whether we want to admit or not, right? We all got impacted by COVID in some form of another. And that's something that the leader can relate to.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, leverage COVID in the sense when it comes to, hey, I have an idea to better support our workplace to make it more psychologically healthy or whatever that may be, you know, kind of walk them through like, look what we went through last year, look what some of the things that we're seeing and, you know, remind them of the commitment or their tagline or their mission that they have, um, because that again will anchor them. So those are some of the things that i would i would use i don't know if Marian, if i'm sure you have like a million more ideas
0: well i think i've done something similar Sarika, when i once asked a priest if he thought jesus would have done the same thing <laughs> he was proposing <laughs> which was not a very kind thing yeah so i think i think i get that concept mm.
1: <laughs> so yeah. i love them really advocating them to walk the talk literally yeah Um, Yeah. sarika i was just as you were speaking and you were talking about really um leveraging where the organization is at in the market kind of comparing them Mm -hmm. to competitors to see if you can influence them to make these changes um and motivate them that way how would you even go about doing that like i'm just thinking Mm -hmm. someone who maybe Uh, this is their first time doing, or if they are um, like a consultant or something coming in, like, how would you go about finding that information?
2: So it's all about building your network, right? So it's having a really strong network of people from your industry and outside your industry as well, right? So I get, you know, often, you know, chats to be like, hey, you know, uh, usually from people who are younger professionals saying, you know, I really want to get into, you know, workplace mental health or I really want to do, you know, and I always ask them, and I say to them, well, what are you doing in your own workplace? Well, we don't have a workplace mental health program. Okay. So what can you do to build it? What can you do? Maybe you start an ERG, you know, and so I think having a strong network, having people that you can actually connect with and ask questions um, is key the other thing i think is important is build a round table build that you know for example like uh, in other organizations that i worked with and, and even in the current organizations we connect with people from the other competitors like it's a it's a it's a safe space we call it kind of like a round table or a council and we do knowledge exchange so we're not sharing any trade secrets but it's an opportunity for us to say you know what you're leading you know mental health at this organization. We're in the same industry. What are you doing about vacation? Or what are you what are you hearing about this? And it's just a knowledge exchange. And that provides so much intel. Um, the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of great articles out there um, on, as well as on LinkedIn. Um, but I think it's really finding those key, those, those key industry leaders, but as well as, and this is something that I think is, you know, I've, I have started to do or be more mindful of it is ask young professionals. You know, some people feel that, you know, if they're a leader, they need to, um, or if somebody's is a young professional, they feel like, oh, I need to find a mentor, right? When really I think mentoring could be both ways. Mm-hmm. So I also feel like if you really want to know some really great Intel or even really fresh perspective, ask young professionals within your organizations or see what blogs are out there when it, depending on the topic, because they're going to give you such a fresh set of eyes when it comes to wellness or well-being or you know um, certain products and resources and tools. And so don't be afraid to ask them what some of their thoughts and feedback are because it's vital to also understand how other people are seeing uh, certain types of topics as well. So young professionals, they may feel like, oh, I don't know anything. They sure do. They have really great insights. So I would tap on them as
0: well. I just want to put a plug in. There's a not for profit called Rise Mentoring, and they exist in order to help um, individuals with mental health issues to become entrepreneurs. But what they did is they created a mentoring toolkit that's freely available to anyone. And so if you're thinking about becoming a mentor or finding a mentor, I just recommend you look up the RISE Mentoring Toolkit. But it's um the idea of network, somebody just said to me, and it's, it's somebody who's been in the business for a long time, that and they have multiple degrees, but they said, you know, I'm not that smart. I just listen to the people in my network, and somebody gives me this great piece of, of uh, wisdom, and I give it to somebody else the same day, and they think I'm brilliant, and it's just what you pick up and what you can uh, pass on. So, yeah, sounds like a, an easy way to be brilliant.
2: Yeah. And sometimes, you know, people are like, oh, you know, I sent a, a LinkedIn invite to that person and they never accepted my invite. So what do I do then? And I say to them, well, did you put anything in the message? Like, why do you want to connect with them? Like, what do you want to learn from them? Um, you know, that can also have people want to be a part of your network as well. Uh, so that's that's something that I also found really is really helpful as well. And of course, if you do have ERGs within your organizations, like ones on parenting or the LGTBQ+, these are really great groups that you can also go to to ask for feedback as well. So also look at what you currently have in the workplace in terms of these, these, these groups as a way to actually get information as well from them, and you'll have them be supporters.
0: when we're talking speaking truth to power these employee resource groups that you're talking about are going to have a different type of um, leverage than you as an individual and so if you want to bring an issue forward and you say we're a group an employee resource group you're going to have their ear in a different way
2: oh for Mm -hmm. sure absolutely because i find that in those groups people have their shoulders lower (laughs) And they're more open to share and they want to be collaborative they want that sense of community right so um so those are great groups to partner with
1: listening to all of this i also just think about how um the world has shifted in that like friends or colleagues i've talked to recently who are looking for new opportunities with employment are starting to ask interviewers those hard-hitting questions, like if like what do you have in place to support employees who are experiencing a mental illness? Like what it was within the organization, how do you mm-hmm. support them? They're asking questions like if you were to describe the top three characteristics you look for in a leader, what are those? And those can be huge red flags for if they're coming forward saying, like, oh, they're productive they're loyal they're hardworking. okay those are acceptable but do you want something that's more like oh they are approachable they are trustworthy they are um supportive of their team members and clients it's i think we're starting to push back a little bit more and not just um accept what's given to us we're really starting to kind of recognize that we can Create a a role within an organization or like a work role for ourselves that really aligns with our personal values and visions and missions and I think that's also opened up spaces like um, the glass door and LinkedIn where you're also hearing talk about those organizations who don't necessarily treat their employees well and who have had major issues and that gets around in sectors and that I think that definitely hinders their opportunity to um, to find employees who are really committed to their um, to their success. So one of the things I would ask, you know, and
2: this is what I've done as well uh, throughout many of my interviews is, you know, what you know, if I'm if I'm if the role is, you know, well-being, I'd ask the leader, you know as a, you know, as, you know, we are owning this portfolio in this organization, you know, we are gonna, we have to walk the talk. What do you do for your wellness? And they get stumped.
1: Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh,
2: I I never really thought about that before. And, you know, because I am curious. And if we are going to be in this space, then we might as well talk about what we do to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are not, applying for a position in well-being but you do see the organization put out there that they're supporting their employees mental health and they're supporting well-being and ask them there's another door for you you can say you know I've noticed or I've seen how you know this organization is committed to employee mental health you know what are some of the things that you do or your team does to better take care of themselves and that will give you some direct, answers Mm -hmm. um so or you know um one of the things i did for a position was it was you know they wanted someone with a mental health background and so i actually also shared that i did struggle with mental illness so i did kind of put myself out there and i was really testing them because if they were like all squirmy then i knew you know what this position is bs for me you know what look how squirmy they are um and it's, I felt like I couldn't bring my whole self to work. So when I noticed that they were engaged more, <laughs> I was like, they're serious.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: that's, I mean, that's something that I've done. I'm I'm not saying everyone has to do it, but that's something that I've done to kind of see, okay, are they really, are they really sticking to this? Um, yeah, so. Um, that's been really helpful for me to kind of get some greater insights. Because in an interview, you can only get so much, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Also, one of the things I love about psychological health and safety is the standard for post-secondary schools, right? So students are seeing that now on universities, campuses. It's like they talk about it. Mm
1: -hmm. Whereas
2: like, when I was in university and was struggling, I couldn't go anywhere. I didn't know who to go to. And now when you're seeing it as a student, you wanna see that in the workplace, right? You wanna make sure that you are in an inst- another institution that supports <laughs> mental health. So I think workplaces definitely need to really kind of wake up. And I think also when it comes to campus recruitment, they also need to recognize students are seeing this, needing this and wanting this in a workplace as well. It's a no-brainer.
0: Mm-hmm. But that's, I think that's the, a really good point, Sarika, is that the old school way of managing was you manage the tasks. Right. You weren't really dealing with the emotions of the employees. And for some leaders who became leaders because they were technically very good at the job, they've not been prepared at all. And so they may have great intentions, saying, well, I want you to feel safe to speak truth to me. But in fact, many of the things they're doing have the opposite effect. They're not making people feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so I really want to say to leaders that you can learn, even if you're an old dog, you can learn to do this and to um, understand what impacts psychological health and safety. And Dr. Jody Sammer created the psychologically safe leader assessment to help you see how you're doing on those things. But I think and and I know this is going to sound biased, but one of the best leadership training that I've ever seen is the Mindful Leader program that Sarah and yeah, Mindful Employer mm-hmm. offers. And it's it's the way that program is is it gives them the really practical ways uh on what to say and how to say it mm-hmm. that we're not necessarily taught
1: oh, for sure
0: i think just like we have women's training about hazardous materials training to be a, a psychologically safe leader a mindful leader is becoming required from a health and safety perspective
1: Mm -hmm. And I think to what Sarika said, too, is that we have this um, generation of young individuals entering the workforce who are no longer accepting that kind of command Mm -hmm. control leadership. And it's for me, it's so exciting to watch happen and to see how this is going to continue to evolve, because, I mean, our dream at Mindful and Flare Canada is while we focus on leadership development programs it really in the end is just to improve every employee's workplace experience so that they can show up as their most authentic self like you had said sarika i think that's such a gift for every person and every individual so worthy of receiving that
2: yeah no i i agree with the with you marianne as well as with you sarah like the training is so important like it it's to me, it's it's just as important as you get all those e-modules, you know, at work for compliance and risk and all those things, you know, important, sure, of course. However, having training that really equips you with the skills, the resources, as to how do you actually contribute to a psychologically healthy environment is so critical because sometimes people feel like well, I didn't really see that she was like crying every day or, you know, like they think that mental illness or a mental health issue has to be so obvious mm-hmm. when really the training will provide you, you know, what it doesn't necessarily mean someone is, you know, like I've had mental illness. I don't walk around with a frown every day. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So it's giving leaders the tools to identify, um, and have conversations that are constructive and supportive. Mm-hmm. So, that's where i think leaders need this leadership training um i think it's i think to be honest i think it should be part of mba programs you know at minimum um because i think it will strengthen now i think that what what did i read uh people are leading looking for empathetic leaders like Mm -hmm. those are the people you want in your workplace right okay so how do we actually train someone to be An empathetic leader what does that mean because everyone has their own interpretation right so I think uh, the leadership training is key it will level set um, and I my wish is that it's tied to someone's performance I think Mm -hmm. that is key you know productivity all those things are just as important I think also um, you know making sure you have a psychologically healthy and safe team should also be part of your performance. That's just my little wish.
0: Well, and that's that's another point that I think is important. We talk about bring your whole selves to work, bring your authentic self to work. But what if that authentic self is angry and bitter and negative? Are we saying that's who you should be? And part of that is we need to train all of our employees on how to speak your truth in a way that's still respectful. And that's not a really difficult thing to teach, and yet we often just miss it. We expect mm-hmm. people should know, or we expect that they're, what we deem bad behavior is just who they are. But when we're behaving badly, there's usually something going on that we're trying to convey, not effectively, but we can help every employee learn how to manage in a psychologically safer way. And that will change everything.
2: Last year, during like the thick of COVID, um, I I had a call, I think it was like at five o'clock. And as people were, you know, signing on at five o'clock for this call, um, it was first, it was just my boss and myself. And he's like, hey, Sarika, how's your day going? And I said, fine. Like that was my fine. And he's like, and then other people came on the call and we went on with the meeting. And then the meeting ends and um, I was having a really rough day and then he calls and he's like, do you have a minute? And uh, so I, I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, I no, I know I'm not, I'm not your mother. I know I'm not your mother, um, but I don't think you're fine. What's going on? Like, and then the tears started coming and oh. And it was like, you know, I was not articulate at all. And he's like, well, what do you need from me right now? Sarika, what do you need from me right now? And I said, I really need to go for a run. Like, I just, I really just need to go for a run. And he's like, okay, go for your run. And that's what I needed. Like, I didn't want to talk. I felt because I couldn't be articulate. I just needed to decompress. Mm -hmm. And so went for my run and. You know back then the old tarik would sign on back in the evening and i was like i'm not gonna do that and uh uh so my boss texted me that evening so just checking in are you okay like how was your run so run was great and um, you know have a good night next morning calls me and says did you have a good sleep um like you know like i felt like he cared he genuinely mm-hmm. cared. And all he had to do was just pay attention. The way I said, fine, he knew yeah. that's not the way Siriku would <laughs> usually respond. Um, and so, you know, it's moments like that. It's, it's behaviors like that, that I can go to him and say, you know what? I feel really anxious. I'm just gonna go for a walk, you know? And I feel okay saying that. I'm not, I don't have to lie. Mm-hmm. And I remember that actually happened again, last year during COVID (laughs) and, uh, I texted, I pinged him. I said, I gotta go. I just feel really anxious. I'm just going to be offline for a bit. And he's like, do what you need to do. And as I was, you know, getting my dog ready for, for my walk, my husband comes down and goes, oh, like you're going for a walk in the middle of the day. That's not like you. And I said, I just, I just need to get out. And he's like, oh, you know, what did you tell so-and-so my leader? And I just looked at him and I'm like, the truth and it felt so good it felt mm-hmm. so good telling the truth so you know that's that's what i think is also important is you know a leader can say i support your well-being but it's those little behaviors that build trust
1: mm-hmm. really like putting in the work to cultivate that connection with you that then having that conversation was easier because you've already got this foundation for communication where he was able to recognize that change in your behavior. Like that just goes to show that he really um, was invested in you as a human rather than just as an employee. Yeah, I agree. Oh, this has been such a great conversation. Yeah. I have loved this. Sarika, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like you gave us so many practical strategies to take forward. I know I've definitely learned a lot from this and I'm looking forward to um, putting it to practice at Mindful Employer Canada as well. So thank you very much for joining us today.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me. I have a little quote. Can I read a quote? Yeah. Okay. I'll try reading it properly. Okay. So uh, it's from a poet named Audrey Lord, and she wrote something like this and it really resonated with me. She wrote, When we speak, we are afraid of our words that they won't be heard or even welcomed. But when we are silent, we are still afraid. So it's better to speak. (laughs) I love that. It's so so true. So that's my mantra.
1: Oh, thank you. That was such a perfect way to sign off. And thank you everyone for joining us today.